tonight I want to talk about, um, you know, I, relaxing, relaxing the mind and awareness. I, that was kind of the instructions I gave during, during practice, but I was also started reading this book by, um, Bhikkhu Analio, who's a, a monk, and he talks about that, and I, I thought it was really helpful. Uh, he's talking about the, the four foundations of mindfulness, and um, I think what was coming up for me, um, I saw an email, or I get the uh, email from Lion's Roar. I don't even, they send a few out a week if you get their mailings where they have links to different articles that are in the magazine or have been in the magazine that are kind of um, apropos to things that might be going on in the world. And there was this one article that said uh, the title was Let Your Heart Break. And I think it was from last summer when, you know, we were all going through so much stuff and um, the tendency is to, uh, especially in practice, is maybe not let the heart break and but the invitation, like to be stoic or I can deal with this, but no, the invitation is to actually just feel what the experience is. And right now there's, again, so much going on. There's the the, the, the trial and Chauvin trial in Minnesota, and there's been these shootings and, and um, the ugliness that's just the fabric of our country um, and that in, in all its glory, um, you know, and the centuries of othering that, that, that's going on and that's like on full display and and then um so holding all that and then you know there's also joy I mean I'm I'm a baseball fan in today's opening day so holding all these things how do you how do you walk through the world um uh without self-destructing um or being caught up in in behaviors that cause harm to me or cause harm to others that's you know that uh distracted and caught up in aversion or greed or emotions taking over not saying that emotions are bad but that when they take over and we're we're totally lost in them and mindless how do you how do you maneuver through this how do you sit and let this practice support you because I have found this practice has supported me. I don't know how, uh, I can't imagine the pandemic without mindfulness practice. I mean, I'm sure I would have lived, but it made it that much more for me. It made it that much more, uh, uh, it gave me a, a foundation to rest on that supported me. Um, and it has for many, many, many years. I'm so grateful for this practice. So um, investigating how that works with maybe a different a different um, perspective. And so that's why I, 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 um, I want to talk about this. Um, it's this book I started reading today, Satipatthana Meditation by Bhikkhu Analia. Some of you may know who he is. He's, uh, I mentioned a second ago, he's a German um, monk in the Thai forest tradition, and he's a, a scholar. He's a real brainiac. His PhD dissertation was this book called uh, Satipatthana, The Direct Path to Realization, and it really just takes a deep dive, and he's a 
scholar in that he translates Pali and Chinese and compares the different texts and sees the variations and says maybe this one's older and here's a variation over here. So he really is um, uh, solid and he's also very practical and um, very helpful and I really like how he moves through the world. And so he's talking, but this book is much more accessible than the Satipatthana, his PhD dissertation. This is much less scholarly, it's much more uh, readable and, and practical, which is helpful. How do you take this stuff and make it work in your life? And he really spent some time simplifying it. And he talks about, you know, Satipatthana is the sutta, is the discourse that the Buddha talked uh, taught um, mindfulness. Satipatthana basically means mindfulness and mindfulness, awareness, um, they're kind of interchangeable in this, in this, um, in this sense, in this, in this, in this uh, way I'm talking about it now. And um, he talks about the early Buddhist texts, which I really resonate with. They're just really plain. They're not fancy. There's like, how do you do this? How do you, how do you get through life? How do you, what the Buddha said, I teach the nature of suffering and the end of suffering. Really, really simple. Not a lot of frou-frou, not a lot of stuff, but just like, all right, how do we do this stuff? And so, um, Analio, Bhikkhu Analio talks about mindfulness as something that we have to cultivate. It's not just hanging out there that we clear away the that we clear away stuff, but we have to actually bring attention to it. And as you all have noticed when you're sitting in practice, it takes a little bit of effort to stay present. Even walking through your life throughout the day, it takes some effort to be mindful and uh, pay attention because our minds are used to doing whatever it is they do, being being caught up in our lives, being caught up in, in whatever's happening. Um, I was driving home, I went up north and saw a friend on Sunday and I was driving home on Monday and I, I was listening to music and it was on shuffle and, and some of the songs were like from when I was a kid. And some of them were the songs I was listening to were like from when I was in my 20s or 30s. And for me, music and for so many people can be so evocative and that brings up so many feelings and so many emotions. And I can easily get lost in those time periods and, you know, get caught up in regret or, or you know, sadness or joy or whatever. And instead of that, just to be with it and to have the experience when it's there. Um, so to it, but that has to be cultivated. I used to get so lost and sad and now it's just to be with, so you can see how easy it is to get caught up in what the mind does, but to, to be present is incredibly, um, important. It's, it's not just hanging out, it's paying attention. And, um, it's interesting because mindfulness, um, you can be, it's often said that if we were truly mindful, we couldn't cause harm because we could see clearly what the result of our actions were. But you can be mindful of uh, and, and recognize when there's uh, not wise stuff going on. So it has to be supported by clear seeing. And I'll, I'll talk about that in a, in a minute. 
because um, you can, and I've had these conversations with people, you can be mindful of like, there's anger. I'm angry. I am very much aware that I am angry and I want to punch you in the face. That's not necessarily um, beneficial. That doesn't take you away from suffering. The, you need to have it um, mindfulness and wisdom, seeing clearly that if I punched you in the face, that would be causing suffering. So it's the word that's often used in the suttas and the discourses is wholesome, wise, beneficial, skillful. So it's mindfulness and, and wisdom together are necessary. So the, the Satipatthana, the foundation of mindful, mindfulness, also talks about um, seeing clearly. So there's mindfulness and clear knowing, clear seeing. Um, it has to be, they have to be joined together. It's not just, I see that I'm going to punch you in the face or whatever it is. It's, or I'm going to rob a bank or whatever it's to see the full ramifications of what we do so mindfulness coupled with this this wisdom this discernment is incredibly important um and mindfulness is different from consciousness and i really like this i hadn't hadn't seen this before but consciousness is the process of knowing what and it's always happening you know what's going on um but mindfulness has to be has to be cultivated um and he talks about it, and I've and I've and I've I've been playing with this a lot lately. It's a, a quality of receptivity. We have such a tendency to go out and grasp onto things, but instead, mindfulness is to rest right here and be open to what is. There's there's that striving, and and I and I think. When you think about it in meditation, and I and I give this instruction sometimes, when you're sitting, and even just now or when you're walking around, when you're sitting and there's a sound, the tendency is to go out and grab the sound. Or if there's there's something, a thought, there's a tendency to lean towards it. Whereas mindfulness is to say, just sit back. You don't have to go towards it. Because that kind of leads into striving what, you know, and like, what is this? Do I like it? Do I not like it? Do I want, is it uncomfortable? Do I want to push it away? Instead, we just receive. Um, and when you allow yourself to just receive, there's this spaciousness. So there's this ability to see things perhaps differently. Oftentimes, we'll hear something or we'll see something and, and um immediately determine what it is. Oh, that sound is X, Y, or Z, this means this, or you looked at me this way, that means you think this about me. Um, I see this shadow, it's a rat in my bedroom, turn on the light, oh, it's a sock. So, you know, if we have to be willing to just be with the experience, oh, there's something there. There's a sense of, of uh, unease, discomfort, but I can then take the next step and open up and see what is this really? You know, what is this really? And so um, not deciding before we fully experience it what it is. Does that make sense? Okay. Um, uh, I, I talk about um, 
you know, what it does, what this receptivity does is it loosens this conditioning that we're stuck in because we're all stuck in this conditioning. We have we all have our conditioning. You know, we're trained. We hear a certain noise and we and our mind goes down like um, goes down a certain path. Like I was talking about the songs. I hear a song. It takes me down a particular path. I think a particular way. I, I remember p- people uh, and I think I should call that guy who I haven't talked to in 35 years. And it's like, you know, um, well, I want to know if he's dead. You know, that's really so or things like that. Instead, we're just asked to just receive, watch what's arising and be with. There's a sense of ease that comes with this because we are relaxed we're resting, we're open, we watch those thoughts go by. And and I, it's like, I've had the same thought for years. I should call that guy. And it's like, it was 10 years, 20 years, 30 years. And it's like, just, oh, okay, I'm going to still have that thought. There's no reason why I should, but that thought's going to come up. doesn't mean anything. I don't have to do anything about it. There's a sense of ease that's there, perhaps a sense of tranquility. So I'm open-minded, we're open-minded and we're receptive when we're, when we're resting um, in mindfulness, in awareness, in the present time. Um, there's, a, there's a sutta that talks about um, a cowherd, it's a simile where it, when the grass, when, the, when it's the time of year where there's a lot of grass or the crops are growing, he has to make sure that the cows stay away from the, the, the crops because the cows will eat all the crops. Um, but then after the harvest, he can just sit under a tree and let the cows do whatever they're going to do because they're not going to cause any harm. So that sitting and resting with the cows just doing their thing, that's that ease. That's that, 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 that tranquility, that seeing what's going on with just these things wandering around here and there. We don't have to do anything about it. There's an openness. There's a spaciousness. Um, and in this teaching, the first foundation of mindfulness is the foundation mindfulness of the body. And the invitation is, if you can, to be grounded in the body, um, which opens up, you know, you, you, it's this, um, it's an anchor. And, you know, I also want to acknowledge that a lot of folks have, uh, are challenged by um, hanging out in the body, folks who have trauma in their backgrounds and this mindfulness of body is, 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 is a challenging thing. And so if, um, if that's true for you, um, you can let this piece go. I want to say that you don't have to do it and who cares what your background is. You must do it this way. That That's not true either. Um, but this, if, if the mindfulness of the body is accessible to you, this is a really, really, really helpful way to stay grounded. It's an anchor to the present time. Um, let's see. There's a, there's a thing in here. Think so. Um, yeah, when we have this um, mindfulness of the body opens to a broad state of mind and spaciousness. This resultant mental spaci- spaciousness stands in contrast to the narrow-mindedness 
of being firmly convinced that our particular view or understanding is the only right one. This does not mean that we are no longer entitled to have an opinion. It does mean, however, that our personal opinions are seen for what they are, just opinions, which may or may not be correct. We learn to allow space for diversity to unfold without suppression or negativity. So we are, we are relaxed, grounded, and open, and we don't hold so fast to our ideas and our stories. You know, I've, I've given many talks about our habits of mind and how we're caught in particular patterns and having, you know, how we, we have these ideas about who we are that can cause so much suffering you know, that we've been conditioned. And this spaciousness allows us some room to say, that may not be true. Even if we have a hard time believing it, allowing the idea in that maybe that's just an opinion. And if I can, if I can re relax and come back and open up and see what's real, then maybe I can move in a different direction. Um, you know, it's it's as simple as the story I've told a hundred thousand times about. You know, the the where I used to teach, and the air conditioner would come on, and I'd be and it would blow right on me as a teacher, and I'd be so annoyed. I'd hear the click click of the air conditioner, and my immediate thought would be, I hate this, I hate this, I hate this, I hate this. And I'd like, because I hate being cold, and it's miserable, and I wish it would turn off, but it's too hot, so we have to have the air conditioning. And this is while I'm sitting there teaching you to be mindful, and it's like, let yourself. But this is all going up and around in my head. I hate this, I hate this, I hate this. And then one day I said, maybe I should listen to what I'm saying, because that was just a canned reaction. And instead I came back, and I, I came back into my body, and I, and I opened up to present time mind I allowed mind brought some mindfulness in and went I'm actually not cold it's actually fine but we get so wrapped up but when I was able to just let go and be present and say what's actually happening now be in the be in the ground be actually grounded in the reality of what's going on is really, really important and really uh, beneficial because then we see clearly rather than these these ideas. You know, I have the story, I have a lot of different stories of, of how I've been trapped in my life by ideas I made up in my own head. Probably um, offered by, you know, suggested, having suggestions from people or stories of you're this, you're not this, you'll never this, you're never that, you'll always this, whatever. And then it's just this mass of shoulds and shouldn'ts and woulds and wouldn'ts. And it makes life so um, closed down and sometimes suffocating. Like I thought you were a morally better person if you bought frozen veg fresh vegetables and frozen vegetables. And I would struggle in the supermarket because I wanted to buy fresh, but frozen was more, made more sense. And I suffered mightily walking back and forth between the fresh aisle and the frozen aisle. 
that's a silly example, but it was really painful. And so if you imagine just the little things, the big things, how we're unlovable, we're not good enough. We believe those stories. And this, this practice is a, can you take a breath? Can you come back? Can you relax? Can you recognize when you're caught up in that? And just maybe say, perhaps it's not true. Maybe it's my opinion. Maybe it's my deep conditioning, which allows for another path instead of this cycle over and over and over again that takes us in the same direction. Mindfulness of the body in the in the in the in the sutta, he says, the Buddha says, mindful when you're walking, know you're walking. When you're sitting, know you're sitting. When you're standing, when you're lying down, know it. So there's this this uh, continuity of mindfulness that we develop, and it's not just when we're in practice. It's what we want to bring that into our life. You know, there's not this great distinction between meditation practice and living life. There, there should be this continuity. Um, and in, in, this, in this chapter, Bhikkhu Analia also talks about propiocep, proprioception, which is this awareness of the body, which I, fir- I first heard that word when I, in yoga 20 years ago, doing a posture where we were, I can't even remember the name of the posture, but we were bent over and one leg was in the air and, and the teacher said, your proprioception will help you be aware of where that leg is if you trust your body. Learn to tune into that, paying attention. And so it's this awareness of what's happening. So this mindfulness of sitting and standing and walking and laying down, we begin to develop this 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 sense of our physical presence. I know another example from yoga when I'm doing a balancing, if I'm standing on one foot or something and if I'm paying attention, if I'm mindful, I can balance. As soon as my head goes off somewhere, I fall over. And it's a really good reminder. It's like, oh, this is what happens when you're not mindful. Okay, I have a funny story. Um, I was talking to a friend of mine today and I've heard this story before, but she, she was talking about it, how she was thinking about, I can't remember the details of the story, but she was thinking about this and so engrossed. And she went to the bathroom and she sat down and she was peeing and something was really different. And she didn't even realize it, except she hadn't pulled down her underpants and she was peeing into her underpants and she was so oblivious. It took her a while to figure that out. I thought putting hair product on my face was a good one. She t- has told this story in public. She's a she's a she's a performer, so I'm not I'm not talking out of out of school. But it's like when we're not paying attention, we do all kinds of crazy shit like that. It's extraordinary. We bump into walls. You know, I do. <laughs> I don't know. If I can't speak for all of us, but I do. When I'm not mindful, I'll walk by the place I'm going to. So it's paying attention when we're sitting, when we're standing, when we're walking. 
really important, allows us to open into mindfulness, to cultivate this clear seeing. Um, we clear knowing with this, this continuity. Um, the, um, I like the idea of arriving that I've talked about that before where there um, um, some of the some of the people like uh, Ajahn Chah who is this Thai forest monk in the last century people talked about him being so fully present that he had fully arrived you could tell he was actually there they say the same thing about Thich Nhat Hanh he is so present and if you've been in been in the been with people who are really present, it's you can feel it. They're not they're not somewhere else. They're totally grounded and embodied. And that's what the invitation is this in this practice is. That's what the first foundation of mindfulness is. Really ground yourself. And you do that by connecting knowing when you're doing something having a sense of your body as you move through the world when you're going to bed or when you wake up in the morning being aware of yourself lying down being aware of yourself as you sit up as you stand up as you take the first few steps bringing that awareness it really, it sounds like, yeah, that's no big deal. That's not solving the problems of the world. But that's how you build mindfulness that you have with you all the time. So that when you're taking, when you have these difficult emotions that arise, anger, you can see that, oh, here's anger. I see it for what it is. I'm not consumed or overwhelmed by it. It's going to be there. These emotions, these difficult, challenging emotions are going to be present. And how do you hold them? You know, because we have this, this resistance. This, this, the conditioning is the resistance to this. I don't want to feel that. I don't want to. And so this mindfulness, he talks about it as a harmonious balance between wanting to be present and the resistance we encounter. We want to be present and then there's this resistance and there's that, it's just that mind that does what it does and it's like, okay, it's just doing its thing. So letting go of that judgment, having that ease. They talk about uh, that inner smile too. I know Thich Nhat Hanh talks about that a lot. I know I was listening to some stuff by a teacher, Larry Ward, and he talked about that smile as well. And I'm and I am I'm of the that's cheating. I'm always I'm always trying to think call things cheating until I get used to them. And I go maybe that's okay. Maybe maybe I can because it's a relaxation. Smiling is a relaxing. So that can be helpful. Um, there's another sutta where they talk about um, imagine you have six different animals on a leash, you know, six different types of animals and they're all pulling you in a million different directions and it's kind of equated to the six senses. In Buddhism, there's six senses. There's the five ones we're used to and then thinking is as the sixth sense. And so all these, these, these senses, smell and touch and taste are pulling us all over the place. But if we are grounded, it's like having a stake in the ground that can 
can can be solid with these these different animals and eventually they realize there's nowhere to go so they just relax um so it's 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 a way to um take care of ourselves this this mindfulness and embodied presence is a way to take care of ourselves because we're we have this 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 um inclination to be present this inclination to be with our experience and we have the 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 uh the wisdom to see the 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 uh implications of being present we have the uh embodied experience we have that somatic experience we've trained ourselves to recognize and so we just come back what what's going on here what is this oh this is the body this is feeling we can touch into what's right here which grounds us and we've trained ourselves to relax and let go of fighting, let go of that resistance. Recognize the resistance is going to be there, but when we we have this sense of, of recognition that we can let go of it or bring back the mindfulness so we're not so consumed or overwhelmed. So, and we don't, we don't, um, yeah, we're not caught in the, the fire. The Buddha talked a lot about the fire. You know, the, our ears are on fire, our nose is on fire, our, our eyes are on fire. The, the burning that when we're caught up in this greed and this hatred, this delusion, we're all on fire. There's no more fire. There's this ease that we can move through the world with. I think... I think I'm done. And so thank you for um, listening. Thank you for your, your, your kind, kind attention. Thank you for visiting Undefended Dharma. These teachings are freely offered. However, if you would like to make a donation to help support the technology that makes these podcasts possible, please visit marystancavage.org backslash support. Thank you.